housing, the housing crisis. We've talked about it here on the show a lot uh, in recent weeks, and um, there's no shortage of ideas and how to fix it. And we've heard from many different people with many different ideas. Um, and yet it continues. As with anything that requires a huge fundamental change like this, it's always slow motion. But believe it or not, progress is being made in, of all places, Edmonton. Yeah, could Edmonton have come up with, I don't know if we want to say solution at this point, but certainly something that the rest of us can be taking a look at. We'll check in now with Brent Todrin, who's a city planner and urbanist at Todrin Urban Works. Brent, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, when we talk about this housing crisis, there's you know there's so much discussion about how we fix this, what we do. Uh, let's talk about what Edmonton is doing and, and getting some recognition for. Um, primarily, at this point, it's about zoning, right? Changing what can be built and where it can be built. It just reinforces how incredibly important and powerful zoning is, and it's this thing that a lot of people in their daily lives don't know about, don't care about, but it has remarkable power over a lot of things in our cities, especially and including housing and density and how many people can live in a neighborhood uh, and increase. And we have to remember that zoning had a lot of racist and classist overtones when it was first created, so it wasn't just about how many people could live in our neighborhood, but often who could live in our neighborhood and who couldn't, what kind of people could live in our neighborhood. So it's got a, zoning's got a long and, and kind of um, a, a dicey history, uh, but there's a, an absolute wave going through North America, uh, rethinking some of the key elements of zoning to make neighborhoods more complete, more mixed, more diverse, more inclusive. And, you know, I got to say, it's, it's not news anymore in my profession, city planning, that Edmonton is a leader. because, uh, And that surprised me, too. I used to be a, a planner for Calgary. I used to take pleasure in the fact that in the Battle of Alberta for city planning, like hockey, Calgary used to do better than yep. Edmonton. But i got to say, in, recent, in about the last decade or so, Edmonton has become one of the most inspiring cities in Canada, at least around rethinking zoning, and it's played out in its approach to parking, and it's playing out in its approach to housing diversity. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that specifically, I mean, in terms of what they're doing. I was I was shocked to find out there are almost 50 different zoning categories within the city yeah. of Edmonton. I mean, that's mind-boggling. It's just red tape alone seems like it would be exhausting. Well, I've been a planner for 30 years, and, and in my first uh, years, I, I realized that zoning bylaws would create contain often eight or nine different categories of zoning just for single detached houses <laughs> before you even before you even got into things like row houses or semi detached or duplexes just different lot sizes different lot frontages because someone had decided and boy this is my pet peeve for my own profession and a lot of this by the way is politics not sure, planning. of course uh, it, it's a, someone had decided that 40-foot lots had to be protected from 30-foot lots, and 50-foot lots had to be protected from 40-foot lots. And it was mostly about protecting somebody's definition of house, uh, uh, prices, right? Sure. Protecting your, your equity. And, but, and that got embedded into zoning, and it became law, and it was actually, it banned smaller houses or different kinds of houses. So a lot of the Diverse neighborhoods that we see in other cities that we admire in other cities are actually illegal in most Canadian cities. But that has been changing, and changing relatively fast, at least by planning state. So what is Edmonton doing? You mentioned parking, and I know that was a big fight, but it seems like that's you know almost the first step you have to take. 
Well, you know, I give Edmonton credit. Uh, they don't necessarily try to be uh, the ones who go out and try to find the thing that no one's thought of and try to fix that. What they actually did was lean into the two things that most cities out there and, and provinces and states and even national governments like New Zealand are looking at. The two main things in zoning are housing diversity in what used to be called the single detached or single family neighborhoods. And basically the move is to ban zoning that only allows one type of housing. Uh, and, and the second thing is parking minimums, yeah. uh, which, which frankly made it illegal to build less parking, which had benefits. And less parking, of course, has benefits for uh, affordability, for climate emergency, for equity, for just waste of land and, and expensive infrastructure that raises all of our taxes. It's staggering how powerful minimum parking standards, minimum parking requirements in cities have been. And it, and it isn't even developers that have necessarily been overbuilding. The, the cities have actually been mandating it. So to Edmonton's credit, it, I think the city sort of saw these two things that were part of a discussion across cities and leaned into them and became, I think, the first Canadian city to, to essentially get rid of parking minimums across the city. And that, to be really clear to your listeners, that doesn't mean that there isn't parking being built. It just means that the city isn't mandating sure excessive parking it's letting projects by projects determine how much parking the project should have and and that is very important by the way uh, it doesn't get a lot of credit but edmonton was also one of the first to provide parking maximums as they got rid of their minimums because of course getting rid of the minimums doesn't mean a big shopping mall can't right. over provide for parking still you've gotten rid of the minimums but edmonton actually took a step further along transit areas and said, you can't overbuild for parking. We're actually going to put a maximum parking in. And that was a really good move. And boy, you know, Edmonton became the darling of North American city building conversations because suddenly the city that, frankly, a lot of other cities in North America hadn't heard of even, uh, was being talked about as being a leader around parking uh, requirements. And, and increasingly now they've gone further. with, it, with They're going further with these moves around housing diversity than any other Canadian city I've seen, including Vancouver, where I was chief planner, or Calgary, uh, which is, of course, the, their own um, Alberta competitor. You know, and you talk about how Edmonton is getting recognition for this and uh, things are moving quickly. That's relative, right? Because these kinds of changes take a long time. Some of these changes Edmonton's looking at won't even come into effect until 2024. So it's, it's a process, but at least we're started on it. Well, the, the hard part for planning departments, and I ran two of them, is, is that you, you, we know from a climate emergency and housing emergency perspective that we're going too slow. We're, this is yeah. not how one acts in an emergency. And, and cities have been declaring a climate emergency. That's a really important thing yep. that local councils have been doing. But we haven't necessarily been acting like an emergency. It's a nice thing to say or do, but is this how you would act in an emergency? So actually, one of the things I do with my clients in cities all over the world is to help them go further faster. Uh, we know the right things to do, but we have to go further faster. And um, it's hard in cities, in Canada especially, because, frankly, every time one of the Canadian cities inst- um, introduces an idea like this, more, more housing on, on a single lot, um, more housing diversity, frankly, they have to deal with uh, a lot of NIMBY politics, yep. a lot of populist politics, a lot of radio shows. I end up doing call-in shows where somebody says, isn't this undemocratic uh, to me uh, on, on the radio show? So it's it, the politics of this yes. is really hard. 
but it's absolutely necessary if you care about housing affordability, housing diversity, even just equity and getting rid of some of these racist and classist undertones, and of course, climate mitigation. You can't have a serious conversation about our cities getting better in the context of all those really big crises and challenges without being able to tackle some of these really touchy political issues. And it's particularly tough because, you know, cities are almost perpetually in some sort of an election year. And so it's hard. But uh, it's good that cities like Edmonton, I got to tell you, it's powerful. In my observation across the country, it's really powerful when cities like Edmonton and Calgary are going further than cities like Toronto and Vancouver. Because one of the narratives out there, you know, given uh, Calgary and, and Edmonton's oil connection and such, is if Alberta cities can get this, come on, why can't yeah, we? Exactly. And that plays out very powerfully, almost more. If a Vancouver does something, everybody says, yeah, but that's Vancouver. But when Edmonton and Calgary do it, the rest of the cities really take notice and they say, we've got no excuses. Interesting. Interesting. Great discussion. I appreciate your time, Brent. We'll do this again soon. Thanks very much. My pleasure. That is Brent Todrin, who is um, a city planner and an urbanist at Todrin Urban Works.